I can't believe it's already May in 2019. Because if you're asking me, December feels like it was a year ago. But yet at the same time, 2019 feels like it's been here for a week. Yeah, it has. It, it's definitely, um, man, the years fly by really, really fast. And actually, I'm expecting a kid, so it flies by even quicker. So when you are expecting, are you are you anticipating, by the way, congratulations. I know I've said that off yeah. podcast, but on podcast, congratulations on that. You were saying you don't know if it's a boy or a girl, so that is exciting in its own way. But I'm wondering how it's going to be for you in terms of, is time flying more pre the kid showing up or once the kid is here, is that when it's going to slow down or is it going to move even faster? I mean, I'll, I'll let you know when I get there. Uh, it, from all the wisdom and uh, wise experienced uh, people that have told me, uh, it actually flies by quicker. So, I mean, I, I've been essentially watching my wife pregnant for nine months almost. So it's, 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 um, every moment is its own journey in that sense. So it's almost like people are, are like, oh, it's coming in the next couple of weeks. And I'm thinking about every minute, you know, so it, it's, it's definitely, um, uh, it's fun and it's exciting, uh, but uh, it's also nerve wracking. You know, this is my first kid. So it's a journey into fatherhood journey I've never taken. So it's, it's a little, uh, it's a little intimidating for sure. Yeah, we're living kind of different lives because I don't have a kid on the way. Um, but of course we are both filmmakers and we've been having a conversation for a while before we started rolling and it's really, I really enjoy talking to you and I'm glad we're actually rolling now, but what's made it go fast for me too, in terms of just films is that we have the Oscars that take place in what was it late February or something. And that's the big focus that I'm usually looking at in terms of movies in the first part of the year. I'm not looking at the new stuff coming out. I'm still trying to catch up on what happened last year Yeah. at that point. So now here we are. It's early May. Actually, the day we're recording this is May the 4th. So I guess May the 4th be with you. Amen. (laughs) You're a big on the Star Wars? I love Star Wars. I, I definitely, I'm one of the few who actually very much enjoyed, uh, well, maybe not one of the few, but I very much enjoyed this new foray into um, this this uh, new age of Star Wars. Um, I've had things I've liked more than others, but uh, I'm, I'm a Star Wars nerd at heart, 110%. Do you like do the dressing up at Comic-Cons and stuff? I mean, I you know... Love means something different to me uh, than those people, I believe. Um, no, I mean, I, I'm not hating on it. I think that's awesome. Uh, but uh, I will be there more than likely opening day for most Star Wars movies. As far as dressing up, um, probably not. Probably mm-hmm. not. That's commitment. That takes a long time, especially with some of those characters with all the makeup, you know. Yeah. And some people do go to that extent. Yeah. It's a sight to see. Yeah, no, it's definitely, um, it's an art in and of itself, and uh, man, some of these pictures I see on uh, with Comic-Con, and these people dressing up, I'm like, man, that that is, they spend a lot of time on, like, building an entire, like, robot, AT, or AT, AT, uh, and they're walking around in, like, it's crazy, the people, the extent people go to, like, that's, that is, that is really dedication, um, unfortunately, I'm not as dedicated mm-hmm. to the Star Wars mm-hmm. universe, but I'll watch all the movies. I, I like the movies. So we're a third of the year done with 2019 already. 
which like I said, is unbelievable to me. And I need, I needed to catch up on some of the movies. And at this point though, in the year we were saying, it's not necessarily a bunch of movies that it's like, Oh, I have to go and see that at this time of year. It's going to pick up in the summer because yep. we have the summer blockbusters. And then the fall, we got to get a lot. Is that when you say like the, the film festival films come out? I, w- I would say probably late summer, early. That's when they early get their fall. wide release after doing the festival circuit. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I read something somewhere that said, uh, that that said that m- most movies that win best picture or nominated for best picture are coming come out in the fall. I mean, I know that's not always the case. You know, perfect exception uh, would be like Black Panther came out in February last year and was nominated, right, right. but that was also an exception across the board. Um, yeah, yeah, in regards to blockbuster of that type uh, being nominated for best picture, you know, meaning superhero, uh, very splashy entertainment um, being nominated. So. I would say majority of the films that they tell us that we need to see, you know, <laughs> as filmmakers and film goers, um, come out in the fall. Uh, th- that that's usually when it's like, okay, now it's time to take, you know, the movie going experience serious, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I I think you could get your share of good movies both in the summer and the fall. So with all that being said, we wanted to get together to talk about movies that we have seen thus far in 2019, Mm -hmm. and we kind of narrowed it down to a few that we wanted to discuss. Um, All of these movies that we're going to be talking about, probably major spoilers, so if you have not seen seen these films, probably don't listen to this podcast, unless you want it to be ruined for you and you don't care. Yeah. We're going to start with Jordan Peele's Us. Yeah. I saw Us just a couple days ago. It's pretty fresh in my mind. For me, it was a pretty enjo- it was enjoyable. I would say I would see it again. Uh, how do you stand on Us? Do you, did you like the film? Number one, I'd say number one. I definitely had an enjoyable experience at the theater. Do you uh, think watching. this is a an Oscar nominated film? Do you think it's going to be in that rank like how Get Out was? Well, I mean, I, I guess it's it's looking at politics you right. know and, and how all that now apparently is plays a huge factor in our uh award ceremonies and and whatnot I, I would say it's a good bet that it will be nominated for some stuff um on a personal preference do i feel like it should be nominated uh i think there's some you know actors performances that were definitely lupita excellent yeah lupita mm-hmm. uh was exceptional in this film and uh just her dual role in the movie i think was um man that that's one that was one of the best parts if not the best part about the film Mm -hmm. for me i was telling my sister that i'm gonna because my sister saw it three times she really liked the film okay and i was telling her that i'm gonna scare her one of these times in the middle of the night i'm just gonna show up in a room and i'm gonna be upon a time <laughs> and she she's <laughs> i would like to see that but she would not like to see that yeah yeah i don't think i'd like to see that. no <laughs> probably no one but lupita is a great actress i've seen she that was her in 12 years a slave correct yes i believe that was the first time i became familiar with her well and she won an oscar she did for that, that for, for that, yeah. too yeah. yeah she was very well and very good in that and is she in the star wars films isn't that her she is so she she's the motion capture uh, uh we don't see her face maz no we don't she's a cgi character oh okay she does the voice and then she also did a voice i believe in the jungle book also she played the wolf mom 
That does sound familiar, yeah. So she yeah. she's her voice work is exceptional as well, mm-hmm. uh, with along with her regular performances. So she she won that Oscar and really took off. Mm-hmm. Um, and and from my understanding, this is her first. And Jordan Peele was quoted as saying, um, "This is the first time she has ever been cast as a lead." As a lead, wow. And and it's like you know you look at a talent like this and you go, "Really, it took this long for mm-hmm. for somebody like this to." Because be she won her Oscar six years ago now? Yeah, it was some time ago. Yeah, some time ago. That's so unbelievable. It, it is, and it is. And it, and it speaks to, unfortunately, the lack of, uh, one, making films that uh, have a strong lead character. And, and two, just, you know, uh, really you know, taking African-American actresses seriously and making them the lead of, of a film, I think... Uh, that is one huge thing that is happening now that mm-hmm. is that should have been happening a long time ago. But you know what? There's a time for everything, mm-hmm. and, and at least it's happening now, the starting bi- to. Yeah, the big excuse they had for a long time, with whether it was race or gender, was that we don't think it can make money unless it's a, a white guy in the lead. And I think films like Wonder Woman and Black Panther really started to prove to uh, whoever it was in charge of these decisions that that's not the case. Right, right. Well, and, and then when you do that, I mean, you're essentially, you're, you're putting, you know, a whole group of people, you're, you're essentially, like, pushing them out of the theater and you're saying, well, we're, we're not going to make movies about characters you can relate to. We're going to make movies about uh, characters that, the, what they think is the majority. Um, which is very much changing, specifically in America. Um, but they're they're taking what they think is the majority and making movies about those people. So about us itself, besides from its performances, what did you think of the story? So so you know, I had things that I liked and I had things that I didn't like. You know, I, I th- and and one of the things I didn't like or I thought that could be improved was the story itself. You know, I, I get that mystery plays a factor mm-hmm. in in Jordan Peele's movies, and now obviously with Twilight Zone coming out. But when you don't understand the goal of the antagonist, um, when you don't you know understand the goal of the protagonist, really, mm-hmm. other than to survive, I feel like it leaves you wondering what is this movie about? You know, and and that that's kind of you know I get that the the underpinning. Um, kind of explanations of it's a metaphor for certain things but you know it it didn't leave me with like kind of that metaphoric uh you know subtle here's what we're actually implying kind of kind of like tree of life it didn't it i feel like the movie tree of life did it really well whereas this was like and i know this wasn't trying to be tree of life by any means but like i feel like this did not answer anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like this movie was rushed. It was just rushed out because Peel made Get Out, and it was such a huge hit. And and I feel like, uh, you know, he's popular in our culture now, and you know, he's this new filmmaker, this new horror filmmaker that's come out, and I even feel like this transcends into like this new twilight zone movie or twilight zone show um where i would really challenge you and i've watched a few episodes i would challenge you to find like the true story of each episode outside of oh this looks cool and 
or makes me feel weird or this is on the surface could be cool or start an even richer story, but then it never gets explored. And I feel like that's kind of like, you know, I, 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 that's what I was left with, with us was like, man, this, this, what a cool concept. I wish they would have dived into it a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I did enjoy it in general. I, I thought it was a good ride. Walking out of the theater, I was kind of left with what what did they want me to take away from the movie itself? I was a little confused on that. It seemed like it it touched on different things, but it didn't fully commit to any of those things. Yeah, that seemed to be a lot of people's kind of... Mm-hmm. It was a fun ride, but what right. the hell was I watching? Mm-hmm. You know, I did... I pretty. I know people are going to be like, "No, you didn't." But I did see the twist coming, and I feel like that's just from being a filmmaker. I'm looking for why are we seeing this in the first ten minutes of the film? Yeah, you know, yeah. that's kind of how I've just been trained after all this time. Or what aren't we not seeing? Right. You know, that. what are they not showing? You know, in that first moment, like that. That's what I, I saw. Uh, I'm like. I see this thing and I'm like, what are they not showing? Like, they're not showing something on purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely, I saw the twist coming too. Mm-hmm. I really feel like I did. Now, don't get me wrong. There might have been a moment where I thought, is the twist actually what I thought it was? Just because of the way the movie was unraveling. But once I realized that I was correct, I was like, you couldn't have hit it a little better than Yeah, that? it was underwhelming. It, it, was a, it was a little obvious. Yeah. Once you, you really saw it, you know, unfold... I mean, I kind of felt like a fool to doubt myself for a second, but. Well, he's just, he's such a good filmmaker. He is. Yeah. And like you, you, you know, he is, he has said on countless times, he makes movies for smart people. He doesn't make the most obvious thing. And so when, when the twist is the most obvious, you know, um, spoiler alert that she was switched and actually what's been living on the surface is this clone or whatever, um, you know, I felt like that, that was like, man, really? Like this, this amazing filmmaker mind, this was, this is the twist that we went mm-hmm. with. Like you couldn't have done something. A little. That was, that was basically the backbone of the film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I honestly, I would challenge you to say like watching a trailer for the movie, um, once you got past the initial real coolness of the filmmaking and the trailer, I mean, the trailer was awesome. I mean, when I remember seeing that trailer and I'm like, oh my gosh, this, I'm, I'm going opening day. Like this looks great. But then the more and more I saw the trailer, I'm like, I feel like I know what the twist is, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It would have been a twist not to do that to me, honestly. Um, what is refreshing to me is that I, I'm not a huge fan of horror films. I'm not someone who says I have to go and see this new horror film or that I'm not fully committed to any one genre to begin with. I do like comedy, but I don't go and see every comedy film. But what usually keeps me away from seeing horror films is that I usually just assume, oh, everyone's going to die, so what's the point? I'm not a fan of those types of horror films. What's refreshing to me, though, about Peele's films, the two he's done so far, is that there is survival at the end, but at what cost? And is it really surviving? Like, what is the world that you're living in after these events too? And I'm, I like being left with that thought of 
okay, what's life going to be like for these characters now? I wonder how that's going to affect them. So I, I, I do enjoy that aspect of a horror film. I know it's more like psychological horror. And I would like to see more films like that, I would say. Yeah, I mean, I definitely, it's a callback to the way, you know, M. Night Shyamalan used to make movies. I probably butchered his last name, but um, we all know who I'm talking about here. Mm-hmm. And and that that is why his filmmaking was so refreshing, his his um, approach to horror filmmaking. Like The Sixth Sense and... The Sixth Sense. I mean, even all the way to The Village, you know, after yeah. that, people would argue that he dropped off, I mean, um, with The Village. I would argue that that was really the last really great film that he made up until uh split um but you know it 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 definitely jordan peele has the same approach and is clearly influenced by m night and and a little bit of hitchcock and even spielberg you know And, and i feel like he is making he is making smart movies um us was a definitely an intelligent film uh, for sure, but I think sometimes you can almost go over in in the the metaphors and the subliminal messages or or whatever, and and really, at what cost? You know, is he sacrificing a really fluent story that that's just a fun ride? And and no doubt he made a, f- a fun ride. It was thrilling. Like there was never a point in the movie where I was like. I'm bored, or yeah. I want to get up and go use the restroom. Right. Not checking the time or anything. Never. I mean, I was glued to my seat, um, and I think that speaks to the, the his ability as a filmmaker. And one of the things I loved, actually, wrote down was his characters that he creates. They're so fun to watch. You know, they're so like just they're they're not your standard tropes. You know, they're they're so fun to watch. I mean. And if it, even if it is a standard trope, like you would argue, you know, like that she's like the last girl that you see in horror movies all the time. But they really, um, it makes, he directs them in such a way that makes their performances entertaining. The thing that sticks out in my head is the dad at the beginning with the little girl. And he's like walking around and dancing and, and just, you're like, what's with this dude? <laughs> and like, uh, just, just immediately you're you're like oh wow this is this is different than what i've seen and and that to me that's the freshness of jordan peele coming into this genre is he's gonna make stuff that we've never seen before whether we like it or not how long until we can say for sure that jordan peele is not a fluke and that he is a tentpole of his genre in today's cinema i mean i think we can already say that Two movies in? I, I think we can say that with two movies in. I think the world is his oyster at this point. Um, you know, based on business alone, his movie, you know, his name brings people to the theater. When you know Jordan Peele's making a movie, it brings you to the theater. It will continue to bring me to the theater. Um, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of his. I didn't like Us as much as I like Get Out, but I still liked it. Mm-hmm. And did I have some issues with the story? For sure. Do I have issues with like the Twilight Zone, this new thing that he started? For sure. But I, I definitely, his name is making me want to watch these things again, whether I like them or not. You know, it's it's. I know I'm going to get something fresh and unique from him. You know. Was there anything else about the film itself you wanted to bring up before we go on to our next one? 
I mean, I, I think we could go on all day about us. I, I think um, is definitely it, it. It was definitely divisive um, from a storytelling perspective. But I, I think at the end of the day, uh, you know, uh, I've pretty much said everything mm-hmm. <laughs> that I can think of with us. You mm-hmm. know, I, I I recommend it, but kind of just sit back and enjoy the ride. I think you said it best. It, right. it was a great ride. And if that's what you're looking for, like, sit down and watch this movie. The performances alone should make you watch this movie. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So we're going to transition seamlessly from us to Shazam. <laughs> Boom. Boom. Uh, Shazam, I just saw it yesterday. It's okay. very fresh in my mind. And this is a DC film. Yep. DC has had a bit of ups and downs compared when you compare it to what Marvel has done with their cinematic universe. For sure. Yeah. So at this point, when we're seeing Shazam, people, I've heard them call it a win for DC. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it was an okay film, but you know, I I don't think I would care to see it again personally. What did you think of it overall before we get into it deeply? Uh I liked it. You liked I it? I enjoyed it. As a superhero film. Did it feel like an actual superhero film to you? Because it felt more like a coming of age story to me. Well, I think and I think like now we're entering into the age of of like you can't just make a superhero movie now. Mm-hmm. You know, you you got to put your own spin to it, even if it's a popular. You know, like they're talking about making a new Batman movie. Well, we've seen Batman now over and over again, over and over TV mm-hmm. shows even. Um, so, what's the new spin that they're going to put on it? Are they going to? I think now they have to mix genres with the superhero. Superhero can't stand on its own anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, now they have to mix genres into it. Um, and I think Shazam was a perfect example of. Of doing that successfully um, by th- giving us this coming of age angle. Do you think its target audience was for younger people? There are certainly some moments in the film that led me to believe that. Um, I think they ultimately wanted to, and it's it's no secret that DC has wanted to kind of shift into this family friendly zone. Not family friendly, but more lightheartedness. Right. Uh, that Marvel has so successfully leaned into. Because it's been a big complaint of DC that they're too dark without being motivated to be dark. Yeah. Well, and, and we can blame the Dark Knight trilogy for that, right? Right, right. You know, because it was so good. Yeah. But also the filmmaker had a very specific vision. That's true. For that trilogy. And he successfully pulled it off because that was his vision from the start. Not, oh, we, you know here's a successful model. Let's just do everything with this. And I think Shazam is like, here's a filmmaker who essentially took, you know, basically what his vision for this story was and made it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what shined through, uh, you know, for me at least. So let me hear your counter to this. This is my, basically my sole complaint with the film is that I think it was a little slow to begin with, and due to that, I think its running time was around 130 minutes. It could have easily been closer to 100 minutes, half hours shorter. I did check my the time in the film, and I did that because I wanted to see how far, obviously, it was in. It was like an hour into the film, and I only saw the villain, I think, twice at that point. And I think that is a big part of what made me 
feel like it was dragging on because it w- we re- weren't seeing these characters interact. I wasn't seeing where it was going with that. Yeah, I mean, it definitely could have been a little shorter for sure. It definitely could have been shorter. Um, so what? So your question was. So you agree it was shorter. Do you think the villain should have been more developed? Or do you think... Because I was almost under the impression it would have been cooler if we saw maybe a flashback instead of setting up like this was the villain. And I, I felt like the villain could have been approached differently in the film. I feel like that's what kind of held it back for me. You know, I, I, I feel like I understood... You know, the villain... Uh, well, first off, let's get somebody out, outside of Mark Strong to play a villain for once. Um, <laughs> because, man, like I've seen his villain so many times, and he plays the same villain in every mm-hmm. f- freaking movie he's in. Can we also really quickly acknowledge, I don't know if you know the name of the villain, but I can't remember the name of the villain, which no, might be a problem. I, I couldn't tell you. I could tell you he had a cool, you know, the whole, um, what was it, the Seven Sins or whatever? Yeah. That came to life. Um. I thought that was cool. That was interesting. Uh, but it was also like, okay, he doesn't, you know, he, he basically can control these giant CGI character monster things. Um, y- you know, I, I felt like what I enjoyed was the villain was the entry point into this universe, essentially just explaining to us. I mean, that's the first thing we see in the movie mm-hmm. is the villain and his little backstory and kind of explaining like, um, you know, this is how... This is essentially how Shazam's story is going to work uh, later on, or, or Billy Batson. Um, I think that's his name. Yeah. Uh, the main yeah. character, um, a hero. But, uh, you know, I, I didn't really have a problem with the villain other than it was played by Mark Strong, personally, because <laughs> it's just boring. It's, bo- you know, it's bo- at this point, it's I've seen it so many times, it's just boring um, uh, casting to me. You know, I really like when a, a movie really goes outside of its comfort zone to cast specifically villains. Like how Heath Ledger was outside of the that at the time. Perfect example. Mm-hmm. Perfect example. Um, Michael B. Jordan, Black Panther. Yeah. I wasn't a huge fan of his performance, uh, probably because it was so hyped up. But they went outside their comfort zone and casted the hero to play the villain. Right, right. Because he was he was Creed and he was in Fruitville Station. He was yeah. always playing these Fantastic Four. Yes. Oh god. Yeah. <laughs> Whether you liked it or not, he was a hero in that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He he's always had a good moral compass up until that film. Yeah, and he's easy guy to root for. So it's and and I feel like he did bring that to Black Panther that he, he brought this and you know, when they cast a villain, well, they, they, there's an element that they, I feel like the villain needs to bring an element of, you know, perfect example, Thanos in the first Avenger or in the infinity war, there's a likability to him that you can't put your finger on, uh, but there's, you, you kind of understand where they're coming from. This villain, I felt like the story was there for us to understand where he was coming from. You know, like he got turned down and he had a really crappy life and, his father kind of sucked and, and all that stuff. I felt, but the actor is just like, he plays it in such a, uh, the grown version. He plays the villain in such a way that there's no redeeming quality to his personality. He's just a bad guy. Mm-hmm. You know, you may sympathize with his, his qualm in life, you know, having a bad dad and not being chosen for Shazam, but but his personality and his performance was there. 
I wouldn't want to hang out with this guy, you know. Not that I want to hang out with Thanos either, <laughs> but at least there was an element that I could identify in him that I could relate to. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, you know, it all, all goes back to character, as we've said. The, the one thing, too, that kind of rubbed me the wrong way now that I'm more thinking about it is how he was testing all these people. You're not worthy. And I get that at that point in the film the seven sins had been released and he was desperate and he was, you know, about to turn to dust the wizard. And that's why he picked him. But he was just like, I don't know if you're pure Harper, you're all I have left. And then he just, after all that, that's the excuse we're giving for him being deemed Shazam. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it definitely, yeah, there was a part of that. That was, uh, that was a little bit of, it felt kind of rushed, mm -hmm. but you know, again, you're right. I mean, that, that was kind of a plot point. Like these, these monsters are now, uh, unleashed and he can't be super choosy anymore. And maybe the, the reason they were unleashed was because he had been so choosy mm -hmm. that, uh, he got to a point where it was like, well, now you're facing this problem because you didn't choose somebody. And I think there's a, there's a little bit of a story arc there with the wizard itself of like understanding his own faults um which is great you know but that it, it certainly doesn't wear that story arc on its surface you know mm -hmm. that's something you might have to dig a little for right um but the casting of zachary levy or levi playing shazam i thought was brilliant what did you think of i liked his performance definitely yeah, yeah. i thought it was convincing it was mm -hmm. I mean, he felt like a big kid yeah who'd have thought <laughs> <laughs> that 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 dude, you know, you were thinking it was gonna be like a John Cena or some big dude that just played a big dude. Mm -hmm. um, and I would have been interested to see the John Cena Shazam movie. Um, <laughs> was that ever in talks? I don't know. I heard a rumbling <laughs> at one point, you know, and and it, it might have been just because Dwayne Johnson is is Black Adam, right? Uh, supposedly one day. Um, <laughs> I've heard that for a long time now. I I really have. I think it was like. Six or seven years ago, The Rock hosted the MTV Movie Awards, and he was like making comments about Black Adam's coming, and it's like, well, he's not here. So Zam came first, you know. So I, I, I thought the casting was good, and I think it, it, it kind of causes this neat parallel with Captain Marvel, mm -hmm. which you know, obviously, we're talking about Shazam today, not Captain Marvel, but uh, you know, I, I, to me, you know, having seen Captain Marvel, I felt like Shazam was the movie Captain Marvel should have been in my opinion, hmm. where I think both movies succeeded was their casting or their, their lead actor. Um, I feel like both those movies made very likable superheroes, um, but just one movie was better than the other. So what are you thinking of DC overall? Because I believe that both Ben Affleck and Henry Cavill are no longer planning to reprise their roles as Batman and Superman, and they really... People are saying they rushed into the whole Justice League type of film where all these characters are together without providing backstories like how Marvel's approach has been before we see them together. Uh, what, what what do you see moving forward for DC? What do you think they should be focusing on? Well, I mean, I think, I think we're starting to see that with Shazam, in my opinion. I think that focused more on individual storytelling, individual character storytelling, uh, individual character development. Um you know, love it or hate it, Aquaman definitely focused more on Aquaman than it did on the extended universe, Wonder Woman as well. So I, I think um, 
you know, it's it's weird. You know, they they always considered Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman to be like what the Trinity of DC, and then you got Captain America, Iron Man, Thor as the Trinity of Marvel, right? But I think we're seeing like you don't get to choose who the Trinity is. You know, the audience will tell you who the Trinity is, and right now it's kind of looking like Wonder Woman, Aquaman, and Shazam, um, based on audience reactions to the film. So what a weird Trinity, but also like. Man, that's that's super cool how they complement mm-hmm. one another. And it's to go off of that, you know, this isn't a comic book. This is a movie. This is the the world of cinema we're talking about. And as you said before, we've seen Batman how many times before? Too many. And we've seen Superman how many times before? Also too many. So it's not surprising to me at all that audiences aren't just going to jump on board with these characters because it's kind of stale at this point. Whereas Wonder Woman, Aquaman, and Shazam haven't had their own movies before, so it's it's very fresh for people, and that's why they're probably reacting the way they're reacting. Well, and I think that the studios are starting, uh, DCs, uh, or WB or whatever, um, are starting to tap into the thing that Marvel figured out years ago, which is, listen, man, we've seen the Batmans and the Supermans and the Spidermans and the Hulks. You know, we've seen it a million times over to the point where they've made TV shows about their origins, you know, and and how they came to be. We can recite their storylines over and over and over again. But what Marvel tapped into years ago, even with Guardians of the Galaxy, um, was let's give the audience something new to look at. Let's give them new superpowers and new uh, uh, all that stuff. Even the X-Men, you know, Fox figuring that out with the X-Men, which obviously that's changed now, but... Um, it's growing stale. You know, we're seeing the same stories over and over. Uh, there's only so many different ways you can do it to the point where we want to see new heroes and we want to see uh, our our old heroes in new lights. Perfect example that Into the Spider-Verse, right? This animated Miles Morales Spider-Man mm-hmm. movie. They, they gave us Spider-Man, but they gave us Spider-Man in a new light and people responded to it. And I think people are really showing, the audience will tell you what they want. You just have to listen. And I think studios are starting to figure that out. You know, we we don't want to, if you're going to do Batman, you better do it in a way that is so unheard of um, and unique that audiences want to see it. What I was seeing online, which I think would be a pretty cool idea. I don't know how they would fit it in with what DC is trying to do. But Batman Beyond... If you put Michael Keaton as the old Batman at this oh, point, that make money. Could you imagine that? That that's a money machine. They'll, they'll be printing money at that point. Um, I would I, honest. I mean, I don't know. What are your thoughts? I, I would I, love to see that. Okay. I just right. don't know how they would make it work at this point. You know, I mean, they could just say at this point in the future or whatever. I don't know how complicated they're looking to get, or if it has to be considered part of that universe. Because I don't know what that Joker thing with Walking Phoenix is all about. But yeah, I don't think anybody does. I don't think they've released <laughs> enough for anybody. It's a look, seems like an art movie, right? Uh, artsy movie. But I, I mean. It's staring at us right in the face at this point. Well, and, and we're starting to see the surge of like, like Halloween, it's a perfect example. Like yeah. The, the, the new one that Danny McBride wrote and uh, um, Jamie Lee Curtis was in. And um, where they're essentially retconning all the sequels and saying this is a sequel to the original, you know, and, and forget all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. And so... So for them to make a Batman movie with Keaton, you know, at coming, you know, as an older Bruce Wayne teaching a, a new Batman, 
I mean, they certainly could do it. Mm-hmm. Um, does it melt our brains a little sometimes when they do that stuff? Sure. You know, does this Joker movie tie into, you know, what they're doing with this new Suicide Squad movie that James Gunn is doing? <laughs> like, it is a little messy, but also like, hey, man, if you make a great movie and uh, uh, make me forget about everything else that exists because that movie's so good, go for it, man. I almost wonder if our expectations have been shifted at all due to streaming itself and binge watching shows and these story arcs across this extended running time. I wonder if that's altering our view of what the movie experience should be and how these all tie together, especially with what they're doing. And it's, you know, Marvel and DC aren't the only ones trying to do this. I know they're doing it with uh, Godzilla and King Kong. They're trying to make a monster universe. And we're probably going to be seeing this more and more. Do you think, if I can get anything out of this, do you think that the that approach is feasible when done right? Or do you think it's impossible for it to be done right as often as Marvel has done it? Well, I mean, I think Marvel didn't set out to do what they've done. Marvel set out to make a good Iron Man movie. And they did a little tease at the end because it'd be fun. You know, I'm sure maybe there was a vision in, in Kevin Feige's head of like, here's where I'd like to go. But I'm sure Marvel was even caught by surprise that it did as well as it did. And now they're looking at what they're looking at. So I, I think I think the, the lesson there is focus on making a good movie. Don't focus on making a cinematic universe. I mean, The Mummy with Tom Cruise, right? That's essentially what they did. Yeah. They're, they, I mean, I think they took a picture of like all the people, the act, famous actors that were going to play all these, you know, Wolfman and Dr. Jekyll and uh, the Invisible Man and all this stuff. And they took this picture in a studio of like, here's what's coming. Mm-hmm. So everybody show up to The Mummy and nobody did. <laughs> and now it's dead. And it's it's like, huh? What what are we doing wrong here? And it's like, well, what you're doing wrong here is you're 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 trying to make a TV series mm-hmm. on the big screen. And and the problem with that is is you know movies work differently than TV in in the sense of you know you gotta it just takes so much time to make one good movie. Why are you trying? You know, just make one good movie. Make me want to come back uh, instead of saying like you just you're gonna need to watch all this stuff you know i think godzilla did i mean i i doubt when they made the first godzilla in 2014 the the first of this new age Mm -hmm. that they were like oh this is gonna become like we're gonna tie king kong into it and all that stuff they just made a movie and the movie was halfway decent it's pretty good i thought um is different and then they're like oh sweet let's make a kong movie and maybe the kong movie can tie into godzilla and, and maybe, you know, but it was after they made that initial great film. And like that is, uh, some would argue that the Dark Knight really started that whole, like Iron Man definitely birthed it for Marvel, but like people were like, man, we just made a trilogy of Batman movies. That's sweet. You know, maybe we can add more to it, you know? So I, I, I don't know. I definitely, I think it starts with making one good movie and then let's talk about, that'd be like your wife saying to you, I'm pregnant and I have this plan to have four more kids and I want to have a boy and a girl and, and then a set of twins for our last two. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hang on. Let's have one. And figure, this is not based in real life folks. Um, 
Uh, but you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, it's make, make something good first. One Focus step at a time. on that. And, and then let's talk about what could have come down the road. Wouldn't it be cool to go back to 2008 it, when you had both Iron Man and the Dark Knight in theaters? Right before all of this can of worms got opened about shared universes. Yeah. I mean, it, it, that, that would somewhat argue that was some of the best times of the movie theaters. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a good time. It's it's hard to th- believe what has happened in the past decade of film. Some good, some bad. Some really good, some really bad. But it is time to really get into this. And I know you have been waiting for a while. I've been waiting for a while to talk about this. Avengers Endgame. Well, let's start off with saying super duper spoiler alert. Yes, if you have not seen Avengers, shut off the podcast now because we're just going to blow it. You know, I was wondering, it made $1.2 billion in its opening weekend. How many people are left for it to get spoiled for? That's a good point. That's a good <laughs> and point. And we're well into its second weekend now. I wonder what the... It's probably going to break $2 billion by the end of this weekend. Well, and, and are people rushing out because they don't want it spoiled, you know? Or, or people are saying, you better go see it because right. you don't want it spoiled. That was a big thing that I, I was thinking of, is that the reason why you probably had such a condensed audience, not just, I mean, obviously it was contributed that this is the conclusion of a decade of storytelling, but we live in an age where stuff gets spoiled on the internet all the time. Probably everyone out there has had an experience with some movie being spoiled for them. So they probably thought, I don't want this movie to be spoiled. I'm going to see it as soon as I can. Yeah, well, dude, listen to this. So I I read this story on Reddit. So this guy um, had Infinity War spoiled to him on his Instagram or something. Some guy spoiled Infinity War for him, you know, a year ago. And so he hatched a plan to become friends with this guy over the Internet, you know, and they they would share it for a year all to add up to essentially him spoiling Endgame for this this other guy, and the way he did it was like they were friends, you know, and sending pictures and and just you know like uh, being buddies. And then when he asked this guy, he said, "Hey, are you gonna go see Endgame?" He's like, "No, I have to wait till next week." And so the guy was like, "Perfect." And so as he's in the movie theater, he's taking pictures of the movie screen at pivotal parts. You know, all the death scenes and all the plot twists and what have you. And and then said basically revealed to the guy, like, I I been waiting for this moment forever or, or for a year. And then sent him all the pictures in one fell swoop accompanied with the plot written down plot points. And the guy was like, why would you do this to me? So so. You know, I tell that story to say, yes, we live in a very, where people are serious about do not spoil something. And I think it's great. I mean, it brings us back to the golden age. Are people a little crazy about it? Sure. But, you know, like imagine watching Empire Strikes Back and Darth Vader's Luke's dad. Right. Spoiler alert. (laughs) Spoiler alert. If you haven't seen Star Wars in 20 or 40 years, um, my bad. Right. It's a lot to think about. It really is, and I'm, I'm glad that people are being more precautious. They had the whole the movie itself, the studio. They had their own ad campaign, telling people not to spoil it. Yeah, 
So it just it's a testament to what we're living in. But that story you told me about how that guy took a whole year to gain this person's trust just to just to, you know, ruin their world and everything. That's a movie on its own right there. I know. I know. Wait, that wasn't you, was it? No, 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 oh, no, okay. no, no, no. All right. His name was Thomas. No, I'm well, kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah, no, that that is that is a movie unto itself. Yeah, that's it's a little petty too. I love to see that. But yeah, Endgame is this conclusion of this decade of storytelling. And what I was saying to you, I think before we were rolling, is we've seen movies, arguably, in that same vein before, where it's great action, you know, it it's come to, comes together as, as its own movie, and it's great as a singular movie. But what makes it so special and so unique is that decade of storytelling prior to it, which is essentially all just as the way I look at it now, it's all just a prologue that we read before we got to the actual story, which was Endgame. And it's because of that that we cared about each of these characters on its own unique level. And because if if we saw that movie on its own, you know that, you know, seeing the the wasps show up at the end, who cares? Who's that? Well, what are they doing here? Who, who's even half of these characters? Exactly. Yeah. Who, who's Valkyrie on this flying horse, you know? Yeah. Stuff like that. But each of those characters, they, they found a moment for each of them. Yeah. And it was the world for each of those moments. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's... it's uh, if you really think about it, I mean, it's it's so it's twenty three movies, twenty two. It's twenty two, I think. Okay, yeah. And then Spider Man apparently is the end of Phase Four or Phase Three. Yes, from what I understand. So it's not End Game. Um, it makes total sense that End Game is not the end of Phase Three. <laughs> Uh, but far from home anyway. Right. Uh, just let you guys know that's a marketing scheme to get your butts in the chairs after being depressed of the ending of Endgame. But, um, but it makes sense. Something this big has an epilogue that is an entire movie. You know, of like, okay, here's here's the the uh, results of mm-hmm. of what happened in Endgame. But you know, I mean, it's it's if you really think about it, I mean, it's a TV show. I mean, it's it's a entire series. I mean, each movie, let's say, we'll be generous and say each movie is two hours. So if each movie is two hours and it's 22 movies, um, we're talking about, you know, two seasons of a TV show. At so, least. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I think that, um, Mar- I mean, they accomplished, they wouldn't, first off, they wouldn't be able to do this if we didn't keep coming back and watching them. That's a big thing. Mm-hmm. So, so... The only reason we're coming back to watch it is because they're good, you know, or at least they're they're most of the time they're great, um, and and so I think like pat yourselves on the back because you are what made this happen by showing up consistently to see the Marvel movies, and because of us, they kind of rewarded us with here's the end of this thing. You know, we're not just going to write these people's contracts off. We're actually going to give them a finale that you want to see. And I think like that, that to me is that's very touching that Marvel did that for its fans. Um, basically and and this whole movie really, well, I would say the last half hour was a love letter to the Marvel fans. Um, whether you like the ending or not, um, that is totally 1000% what that was. And uh, for them to be able to do that is just incredible. 
let's try and break it down in a way where we're looking at one character at a time. Okay. Maybe we start with Iron Man since he was the one who kicked it all off. If we look at Iron Man's journey, he he was kind of put in that situation in that first film where he had to create this suit uh, for his own survival. And so we're going from that to him, spoiler again, making the ultimate sacrifice for the universe. That character came a long, long way to get to that moment. And what was it? Before that, Robert Downey Jr., what was it, six or seven movies in all he appeared in? Close to half of all those movies he was in. Yeah, I mean, I would even venture to say it was like 10. But I mean, I could be wrong. You, you might be right. Uh, the well, three Avengers three films, Avengers movies, the Civil War, Civil War. Uh, Spider-Man: Homecoming, and then the, the Iron Man one, two, and three. Didn't I say that already? Or well, did you said I say Avengers, Avengers one, two, and three? So that's eight. we're at eight right now. Three Iron Mans, four Avengers. That's seven plus the two. That's nine. Nine. Okay. So yeah, pretty much half. Pretty much half of the Marvel universe. He was. He was a main character, definitely. And that's not even counting how many times he was mentioned in the other movies. Yeah. Or the name Tony Stark was, I mean, Thor Ragnarok, like he wears his clothes, Mm -hmm. you know, so that he mentions him over and over. Tony, 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 you know. Um, And he was in the end credits of The Incredible Hulk. Yep. So, I mean, his presence is felt throughout the whole thing. And I honestly, even though it ended the way it did, I don't think that'll change. I think Tony Stark is, his name at least, his memory will live on probably until the first one bombs and they stop making Marvel movies, <laughs> which Lord knows the, uh, when that's going to be because yeah. they're, they're on a hot streak. Well, that's a big thing I was thinking of too, not to get too ahead of myself, but we're at the end of what they set out to do whenever they started to do this. And we're not really sure where they're going to go with it at this point. Right. So if your next few movies aren't that good, what's that going to mean for them? It's going to mean to me, honestly, as a fan, absolutely nothing because of this. They set out to tell this whole saga. They did it. They did it most mostly really well. And... And so even if they bomb or fail or whatever, they still have done something that more than likely no other movie series is ever going to do. Um, and that is create a consistent uh, universe of 23 movies. So even if, you know, and quite frankly, they should have enough money by now to be able to make the next 20 movies without caring about the profits. It's freaking Disney at this point. But and then and they took out basically all the characters that would have huge contracts. So yeah, um, yep. uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think they have basically uh, they could do whatever they want at this point. They could. They could do whatever they want. Now, what do I want to see? I want to see another saga. Will we get that? Do they need to do that to please me? No, they've already done it. They pleased all of us by doing what they just did. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I'm interested to see, because Iron Man was the first movie in that whole era, and now Spider-Man's going to be the first one post that, even though technically it's Phase Mm 3. But I'm wondering how big a role Spider-Man is going to take on, if any, in like how Iron Man was the backbone. Is that what Spider-Man's going to be now? Because those roles have to be filled by somebody. Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, let the audience tell you who it's going to be. Mm-hmm. You know, who who does the audience care the most about? You know, 
Tony Stark was the one that everybody loved. Um, and that's the only reason he was the backbone. I feel like the audience chose that. And, um, so I think, I think it, th- these origin movies or whatever, they'll tell you. And honestly, based off of the audience's response to, to some of these newer characters that could play a central role in the next phase or whatever. Um, I think the audience has told us that they want black Panther to be basically the new, Captain America, Tony Stark, and I don't mean personality-wise. I just mean backbone. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we want Wakanda and all those characters and everything. And honestly, I think it can. I think it can do that. Now, Black Panther and Tony Stark are two totally different characters. Pretty different, yes. Uh, but there's enough mythology there um, for that to become really a backbone for the next phase. Um, me personally, Dr. Strange is great, but is he an obvious candidate because his personality is so similar to Tony Stark? Probably. But I think people like that. I mean, I, I thought personally, Dr. Strange was the best part of infinity war. Mm-hmm. Didn't really care for his origin movie. Thought it was a rehash of iron man uh, for me, but in infinity war, he was my, hands down my favorite character in infinity war. So, could he could he become the linchpin of the universe for mm-hmm. sure? I also like that comment that the ancient one made. I like that. I love how they had the ancient one in Endgame too. That how was they cool. just sprinkled that in there. Yeah. But uh, the ancient one had mentioned that Strange is meant to be the best of them. So and of course they uh, at the end of Doctor Strange's introduction movie, yeah. there was that whole thing with that one guy, uh, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but he's also from 12 Years a Slave, where he uh, said sorcerers have to Morgo die or something. Or more, more, uh, it starts the, with an M. Yeah. The character's The name. character's name, yeah. yeah. But there's a lot to be discussed and uh, a lot to look at in that realm that they have, because you know it's their own uh, magical area of all these different things going on. So yeah, I, I I'd see that. There's a lot you can do with that. Captain America. I don't understand it, <laughs> but I get it in terms of why the character would do the ending the way he did. I thought that was sweet, and I thought it was deserved after everything that this person has done and what they have gone through. So why don't you tell us a little about Captain America? How do you look at it? Um, I look at it as like, that's the ending that Tony Stark should have gotten. And that that Tony Stark's ending is the ending that we all expected Captain America to have. Captain America's, I mean, story throughout has always been about self-sacrifice and, 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 and not just physically, but sacrificing the life he could have had to serve others, right? And Tony Stark has always been about, like, essentially trying to, like, get it to get the universe to a point that it protects itself so that he can lounge and do his own thing. And, and, um, I thought it was so fitting. This is one of my favorite parts of the movie. Um, and, and really of the film was how they handled Tony Stark and Captain America and basically how they got each other's ending. I honestly thought Captain America was going to go out the way Tony Stark did. And I thought Tony Stark was going to go out the way that Captain America did. I thought the same thing. And, and so the, the, the way that they directly influenced one another's story and basically bring it you know, uh, those characters did a 180 and, uh, from when they were first introduced to the end game. And, and I thought that that was, that was so awesome how they basically, those two stories paralleled one another, but they got each other's ending because it showed the influence that they each had on one another. 
and like that, how that much they really meant to one another. And like Steve taught Tony about self-sacrifice and Tony taught Steve about being selfish every now and then, you know, and actually living a life. You deserve it. And so I, I thought that was incredible. I, I, I loved it. You know, the way it was in sequence carried out, man, eh, it could have been better, but, but yeah, I thought the, the implications behind it were so handled so successfully and so well for me as an audience. I really do want to see it for a second time soon because obviously there's a lot that it, it's going to mean something differently when you see it for the second time, you know, as it, the plot unfolds, especially that part when Tony is speaking with his father during the time heist sequence, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because that's been a central point of regret, I think, in Tony's character arc is that he never had the relationship he would have liked to have had with his father and seeing him get to speak with him as an adult or whatever and you know have an uh, authentic for the first time in his life an authentic conversation with him I feel like that had something to do with him making the decision to actually sacrifice himself and how he found peace in that making that decision yeah well, and I think we got a little bit of Tony's, you know, like what would have happened, mm-hmm. right? Because he had a kid and got married and, and all that stuff. So I think they they kind of gave us our cake, the cake, and we got to eat it too. You know what I mean? They gave us the fitting end to him, but also showed us, well, if it hadn't happened, here's what we would have. So he retired and died, you know, or yeah. sacrificed himself. So I, I feel like that there was like, what more do you want? <laughs> you know, like they showed you... Uh, he was a good, he became a good dad. And also his, I mean, they just, they really wrapped his story up so tight um, and neat. Uh, I thought it was great. And same with Captain America. I mean, uh, I thought they tied that up really well. Um, now, of course, Captain America, his his life was robbed of him because he was frozen for all those years. Yeah. And so when he went back in time, it makes sense that he wanted, after everything he did, he wanted the life that he felt he was robbed of with, uh, what was her name, Peggy? Or was Peggy, it? Peggy Carter. Yes. And, but what I'm confused on is that they, and I don't know if I want this explained or not, or if I just want it to left up to imagination. That's the the thing that's, you know making me crazy but they explained and established in the film that time travel in this film is going to work like all those other films that they listed off so how does he end up wouldn't he be in a different dimension and he would not be able to be sitting on that bench at the end of the film i'm sure they have an answer for us Mm -hmm. i can't tell you because i have no idea either right um i have no idea I, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, I think... Uh, I like that he's sitting there, but I just don't know why he's there. Yeah, and, and is this the same Captain America right. that was... from? Yeah, this whole dimension thing, they kind of muddied a little bit, but also I think they left a little open-ended to be able to bring in some elements from it in the future. You know, or they can always reference Endgame and like, oh, hey, remember when we did that? Well, it did this, and now Doctor Doom's here. Or, you know, now there's mutants and X-Men. Blah. Oh, you know? my gosh. So, you know, I think I think they purposefully left it a little mysterious in how everything worked so that they could have a, a window or a door open for later developments down the line. The character that I felt the most for is Thor. 
Okay. Because when you look at everything that Thor went through, I don't know if you did this, but I rewatched all of those films uh, in the month leading up to Endgame. So everything was very fresh for me when I went into Endgame. And Thor, between uh, Ragnarok and then leading into Infinity War, he is in a crisis because his father dies. He, he finds out he has a sister and he has to kill the sister and also destroy his his home that he's you know had for how much, however old Thor is and then his uh, half his people after that get slaughtered by Thanos and his brother dies yeah so look at everything that he goes through and it makes sense how in Endgame after all this time passed that he kind of falls apart one would say that was hilarious. It was hilarious, they, they, but also sad. It was super sad. <laughs> they took Thor in such a radically different direction, and same with the Hulk. That I, it, that's one of the things I loved about the movie was that you know obviously it does you know a little bit of a time jump at the beginning, and and they put these characters in places that you never thought in a million years that you would see them in. You know, other than Captain America helping other people out. Um, but like uh, Hulk was smart now and, and melded and Iron Man was a dad now. And Black Widow was leading the Avengers, who was always a side player. And with Thor, or oh, Hawkeye uh, was a murderer, you know. Yeah. And yeah. then Thor is like this fat, out of shape, super sad dude that lives in a shack. And like, wow, you know, like they really, they really put everybody in such a jarring position. And Thor was more, most definitely the most jarring. And I felt like, um, you know, I know there's some people that are like, oh man, he didn't lose this stuff. Like he fought with a pot belly at the end and all that stuff. But Mm -hmm. like, yeah, it's like a whole, we're on a whole new journey with Thor now. And, and I think like, that's cool. You know, it was definitely, it was, a, it took a minute to get used to, but, um, yeah. Like what's this whole new journey look like? I'm really interested to see if he's going to end up staying with the guardians of the galaxy because at the end of the film, he goes with them. So I don't know if they're going to drop him off at some point or if he's going to be just in the beginning of guardians. I wonder how that's going to play. Well, you know, what's interesting is I guess there is a comic called as guardians of the galaxy. Really? And, um, now, if that's is that the direction that James Gunn wants to go in? Uh, I mean, I would say it's doubtful because he very clearly set up Adam Warlock to to be the villain of the next movie. But you know, I mean, uh, a simple throwaway line: "Hey, we dropped Thor off on the way to find Gamora," or whatever you know right. could be handled. But I think it the implications between that final scene was more than just him going off with the Guardians. I think it was essentially his openness to exploring the universe so at the next time we see thor whether it's with the guardians or not he's gonna be he he is our guy you know like he could come back several several movies from now yeah in a completely foreign environment um I mean, essentially they can pop him in any movie they want to you know what i mean like he's just kind of that guy i believe chris hemsworth is very much open to returning for this foreseeable future, yeah, with the uh, with that character. Well, and it seems like he's having fun with. Yes, the character exactly. Now. That's a great character for for any actor. I mean, come yeah. on, look at that. But so I'm just wondering, with that in our mindset, 
again, we're talking about who are the next big players going to be. Yeah. Is Thor being a big player at this point, is he going to still be a big player or is he going to take a step back and we're only, we're going to see him less often. That's what I'm wondering. You know, I think that, um, the main six, you know, so Thor, Mm -hmm. black widow, Hawkeye, Hawkeye, Iron Man, Captain America. So like, I think the ones that are still alive or haven't retired or whatnot, um, I think they're going to take a very backseat role. I, I think Thor might be that old guy they go find on a planet to get. <laughs> he's he, the new Luke Skywalker. He's the new Luke Skywalker, <laughs> or the Hulk. You know, like he's the brain that you bring into situation to help us out for this one scene, and then he, you know, bounces. Or even Hawkeye, you know, is getting his own show or whatever. Um, but I think now those characters are going to take a back seat and really be kind of these mentor roles. Um, and then, you know, obviously the ones that didn't make it, um, will be referenced in memory. I'm sure at certain points, but I, I can see, I can totally see Thor being like kind of the old Luke Skywalker or, or just like he comes in in the final act to save everybody's butt or, or in the, the first act kind of mentor somebody to go on to become who they truly meant to be or whatever. Um, uh, being central to his own movie. I don't know. It's, that's a good question. I'd love to see another Thor movie. After Ragnarok, it's, yeah. it's I, I would love to see another Thor movie. Will it happen? I'd say let's give some other Marvel characters some room to to come in. Sure, own, sure. You know? Yeah. Uh, that that director of Thor Ragnarok was uh, great. I, I don't know if I can name another. Is uh, Another one? Marvel director? Well, I mean, not just that. Well, I know, what's his name? John Favreau, he directed right. that. But uh, Taiki? Yeah. He's new, from New Zealand. Yeah. I don't know if I know another director from New Zealand. Because what's his name? George Miller, the Mad Max guy? I think he's Australian, but... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't... I mean... Peter Jackson? Is he New Zealand? I know Lord of the Rings was filmed in New Zealand, Yeah, but. maybe maybe not. Maybe, yeah. Uh, he might be... He might be... Peter Jackson might be New Zealand. I'll have to do some Wikipedia research. Yeah. I could be <laughs> totally wrong about that. <laughs> Yeah. You, ever, you ever see him uh, sitting next to Tarantino in this one interview? <laughs> it's the funniest thing. Oh, my gosh. Not to go too far down Two there. Two opposites. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think about the Hulk? I was not expecting what they did with the Hulk. Did it take your brain a minute to, like, register what you were seeing? Uh, yeah. You know, I was like, are they really? This is what the Hulk is going to be from now on, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. We're not seeing Hulk smash anymore. That's over. Yeah. Unless some terrible thing happens, but it seems like they're uh, moving on. Yeah, I definitely didn't see that coming, but it was also entertaining. I mean, it was cool. Yeah, I. it makes sense. It makes sense. It definitely makes sense. Um, I think the five-year time jump messed everybody up personally because it was like, okay, here's what they want to show. But then like, it, it kind of like, oh, what's that story? Like, that's a movie. Like, how did he get to that point? Yeah. But also like, oh, well. You know, like if this is the way he is, like that's cool. He looked uncanny, like Mark mm-hmm. Ruffalo. Like that right. was crazy. The glasses like, did a lot for him. <laughs> yeah, that was. But he was cool. Like I, I definitely. Um, it again. It was just one of those things where I didn't expect him to end up where he did, and like they went against audience expectations. Um, you know, so yeah, it was cool. What I'm probably the biggest surprised of is that. Black Widow didn't make it. Yeah. 
That was a shocker. Like, if she wasn't going to make it, I would expect it more in that final fight scene. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, that's kind of heartbreaking when you think about it. She's the one person who didn't really make it to that big fight scene. Well, it was shocking, too, because they've announced this origin movie. Yeah, so it's for sure a prequel. Well, no, 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 I'm sorry. I take that back. They've announced her own movie. Okay. A lot of speculation is that it's an origin movie. Yeah. And obviously now more than ever because of what yes, happened. Yes, exactly. And the Russo brothers have gone on record to say, no, she's dead, dead. She ain't coming back. She is dead. And for a while, there was speculation that Gamora was going to be rescued from that once they got the yeah. stones and everything. But of course, that didn't happen. And now we've also lost Black Widow. Right. Well, and also, but, but the thing is, now we have Gamora from a different timeline. And that's where this whole timeline thing messes everything up to a degree. So it's like, are we going to be looking for another Gamora from a different, you know? Yeah. So Black Widow, I mean, I, I know Russo say she's dead, but is she? Couldn't they just go back in time and find her from a different timeline and bring her forward? You know, I mean, they did with Gamora. Right. They? Right. But maybe maybe her death released Gamora. And therefore, if somebody else were to die for the Soul Stone if in the future, it would they have a chance to bring Black Widow back? I don't that's know. That's an interesting way to look at it. I mean, that's it seemed like so if she's dead, dead and her soul's right. in there. So the other thing that I was thinking of was before Captain America ended up on that bench, I thought he was going to come back with Black Widow next to him. Because what I was thinking is that if you're going to return the Soul Stone, because obviously they sent him back to put all these uh, Infinity Stones back where he found them. If you're going to return the Soul Stone, why wouldn't you get back the person who sacrificed for it? Well, yeah, and that whole Steve Rogers returning um, the stones and like that could have been its own movie. Yeah. Um, like what what happened when he faced the Red Skull? Mm-hmm. You know, where the <laughs> hey, what's up, bro? Um, remember me? Well, yeah. Um, but you know, I mean, like that 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 was a little bit of letdown of like, but also it's like okay, we're reading just a three hour time limit here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, obviously, we're not going to see a whole lot of this, and this is going somewhere. You know, so, uh, yeah, Black Widow is definitely kind of a shocker, uh, but also at the same time, you know, like she, Hawkeye had a whole family, and she didn't. So it, logically, as like mm-hmm. my man logic sitting there is like, well, Black Widow should obviously sacrifice herself because she doesn't have family, and um, uh, maybe I have no heart or empathy. <laughs> Uh, and honestly, I like Black Widow's character more than I like Hawkeye's character, or True. at least the development. Even right, though this right. movie did certainly add new layers to Hawkeye that I really did like. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, Black Widow, I enjoyed more than Hawkeye. And so if if I were to choose who were to die, I would have chose Hawkeye. But it did logically make sense that Black Widow died. Especially since that was the opening scene of the movie, Hawkeye loses his family. Yeah, which which would have been resonant if he had died halfway through or whatever, because it's like, oh wow, this is the dude that's gonna make the sacrifice. It's gonna save everybody. Right. So yeah, uh, it could go both ways. It could. It, it could go both ways. It, I, I feel like that opening scene was a, just a reminder to be like, hey, yeah, it went down. Don't forget. It's about devastating. This. Yeah. Yeah. What I'm happy about is how important Ant Man was in the first. The first act of the movie, yeah, and how, and it also made me think: How many times did Doctor Strange, in all those versions of the future, did he watch that rat not walk across? Well, so the rat, Master Splinter, saved the universe. (laughs) Um, yeah, a little bit of uh, Ex Machina, 
there of just a rat just possibly showing up to save the day. I, you know, I think um, I think Ant Man was they've never really given him much to do up to this point. You know? In terms of the actual uh, Avengers uh, altogether, yeah, yeah. Well, and and even in his own movies, like you know, I'm not a huge fan of the Ant Man movies, not because of Paul Rudd. You're saying they're small time compared to the other ones. It's just why do they always release Ant Man right after this huge movie? Like, I wish they would make Ant Man play a bigger role in mm. things, or just the stakes are a little bit bigger. And so it's hard to like go back from the fate of the world to the fate of. This you know, person. San Francisco. Right, right. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's, it, and that, that I think is a Marvel issue. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, like, you're trying to jump around too much there. But, you know, just Ant-Man in general, like, um, a lot of the characters in the Ant-Man movies are a little one note. You know, they, they're there for comedic relief or mm-hmm. they're there for a plot point. Um, none of, it's not like Black, like, with Black Panther for me, like, I loved all those characters. I can't wait to see them again. Ant-Man, not so much. You know, like, is this dude going to tell another joke that takes us, you know, where it's, it's a goofy scene? Or is, you know, uh, uh, the Wasp, you know, she's she's always going to be indifferent towards, towards Paul Rudd's mm-hmm. character. And, you know, so it's definitely... I'm I'm I was happy to see kind of Ant-Man taking up a role of like kind of what Doctor Strange had in Infinity War. And I thought that was cool. That that was definitely it was refreshing to see Ant-Man like playing around with the Avengers. You know, not just in one scene like Civil War, but actually playing a huge part of that. It was good. Are there any other characters that we need to give justice to? Well, Thanos. <laughs> the big bad, dude. Yeah. I think um I think that with Thanos, well, what did you think about? I guess let, let let's go back a Take little. Take a step bit. back. <laughs> what were your feelings about Thanos in Infinity War? I I well, I knew I kind of knew about Thanos through you know all this time they've been planting these Easter eggs like oh this is a big bad guy so I was going into Infinity War anticipating him to be a bad person, and in that first scene of Infinity War we see him kill a longtime favorite Loki. Yeah. So. I was under the impression, okay, uh, this guy needs to be stopped. Yeah. And I was sad to see that they didn't succeed in the end of that first movie, especially since they came close so many times. And it was hard to believe that this team, all of the best superheroes you've ever seen, couldn't take this guy down. So I was happy to see what happens in... Endgame. That's what I would say. What What was your perception of everything? You know, I think with well, I mean, I think Infinity War. They very much tried to make that movie about him, and I think they succeeded in a lot of ways. And then coming into Endgame, it's like, all right, now it's about our the, the final six or, mm-hmm. or the original six uh, with Ant Man, Captain Marvel sprinkled in there. And and I think that um, they straight up made the first op- the opening 10 minutes of Endgame what I thought the whole movie was going to be. I was the same way. I don't know if you did this. I avoided all trailers and all theories about what the movie was going to be before I went into it. So I had no idea the whole time travel thing was going to happen. I was blind. Yeah, see, I wasn't as blind. I definitely saw the theories and and I saw the trailers and, and whatnot. But I certainly didn't lean into like reading too many... 
I'm sorry, I take the back. I didn't really want to read any of the theories right. because a lot of times they're right. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, they're they're like the, people study these things and like they figure this stuff out. It may not be a hundred percent correct, but like just certain things, like well, you know, according to these set photos. And like we zoom in on the hand here, we can see a time travel contraption. And oh, that must mean they go back in time. Oh, wait, they're wearing the same suits from the first Avenger. You know, all that stuff. So it's like their theories are bred from actual evidence. And so it's very dangerous to read those theories. And I know it's fun to guess, mm -hmm. but also like you got to be careful. Uh, you definitely got to be careful. There's pre spoilers before the actual spoilers. Um, and so, yeah, I did fall victim of a few of those. So I did have an idea in my head, time travel is going to play a factor. Um, but the opening 10 minutes, I did not like, I'm like, oh, they got, okay, here's Thanos. What's this going to look like? And then just boom, he gets his head cut off and he's dead. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, what? And I wasn't expecting to see him again in the film after that. I thought he was done. Yeah. Yeah, and then that whole thing with Nebula, and you know, because they're two at the same time, and that Thanos could see that blew my mind. Yeah, yeah, that 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 uh, that's such a niche. Like that's a small detail that we I think we knew going into it, but we never suspected would play such a significant role. Which detail? That you know she has memory because he played it in Infinity War where he had Nebula hostage, so we could see that. Oh right, we could see her memories. Yeah, yeah, but. Obviously, it makes sense that why wouldn't we be able to communicate these two computer machines with one another yeah. if there's two of them? Yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, definitely bringing Thanos back into it is like, um, I mean, I feel like there's part of me that's like they have to do this because like they started this and we all know, like, listen, as much as they try to convince us that this is not two separate or that this, these are two separate movies. We all know it's a part one and a part two. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it tries to hide from that really other than just like, hey, you got to see this. Um, now, the both movies certainly have a different personality and tone to them to a degree um, with Endgame obviously being darker uh, than Infinity War. But I feel like you can't, they got to fight Thanos at the very end. You know, and so there was a part of me that's kind of like, uh, you know, especially when the time travel stuff came in, I'm like, okay, he's going to, there's going to be something with Thanos. We haven't seen the end of him, but they gave him like this brutal death scene. Like, don't bring your kids <laughs> to the, I mean, they, they like lob off his arm and cut yep. the gauntlet off, beat him up. His hat, he looks like two face, half his face is yep. burnt from destroying the stones like a couple days prior to them showing up. And then they, and then Thor straight up decapitates him. And it's not like they cut off his head and they, I mean, they show his head rolling on the ground and then his face facing the camera. I mean, like he's dead, dead. And it's just like, whoa, like they just straight up, you know, and, and quite honestly, it was kind of justified in like, he killed all your favorite characters in the last movie mm -hmm. and just straight up did it without remorse other than Gamora. And so now it's like, oh, you mad at Thanos? Well, let's give you what you want mm -hmm. and just see him destroyed in the most brutal way possible. And they did it. They did it. Yeah, Thanos was a great villain. And I had heard for a while that, and I agreed with, that Marvel had a villain problem 
where we didn't really necessarily love their villains. It was more leaning towards the superheroes that were making the movie, and the villain was just someone for the superhero to stop, not something for, you know, to identify with the villain in any way. And especially in Thor of the Dark World and Iron Man 3. Those, those are my prime examples yeah, of yeah. lame villains. But uh, it, the first one, even before Thanos, though, the, the villain I really loved was Hela, uh, Thor's yeah. sister. Yeah. And that's a big part of what made that movie so great. Yes, it was hilarious in many moments, and that was an enjoyable part of the film, but... I think the backbone of Ragnarok is that he has this sister he didn't know who was just evil. And that was a that's why I loved that villain. And I think it couldn't have come at a better time because that was right before Thanos was introduced. And I think that probably had something to do, at least with my mindset, about how bad villains can be in that universe. Yeah. Well, and and I really felt like with the first one, I or Infinity War, I could kind of sympathize sympathize with Thanos. In this one, it's like you didn't like thing. Like, mm-hmm. there's no way you're you're like this guy's bad, right? And this guy likes like even towards the end, he's like, you know, this used to be just about taking care of the, the universe, but now it's personal. I'm gonna wipe you guys all completely out and start from scratch, like like Old Testament style with the flood. And like at that point, you're like, this guy's gotta be stopped. <laughs> we gotta take him out, man. And like it's it's uh, they made him. If you had any doubt in your mind of like, did he do the right thing or did he not do the right, right. thing? By the end of Endgame, you're like, okay, yeah. There's not really too many redeeming factors about this guy. There's no more identifying with that character no. at that point. Because you can uh, you can understand him when he's saying I want people to live a better life and there's too many of them so we're eliminating half of them will make it better for the other half. Right. You can identify with that to an extent. You logically it makes sense. Yes. Logically, it may, whether that's the right way or the wrong way, logically you're you, like you I can get see it. why he would think that. Yeah. But but when you go to that other level, and that's what he did. Yeah. Uh no one thinks like that. No, no sane person thinks like that. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. And just and just the way they like he tortures his daughters and uh, yeah, you know that yeah. whole thing like he definitely they removed any redeeming qualities he had by the end of this thing, mm-hmm. but I mean he definitely uh, what I thought was cool was and I know the directors made this choice with Thanos, what I thought was cool was in the first movie he starts off with armor all over his body. Mm-hmm. As he collects each stone, he loses pieces of his armor because he doesn't need it because he's so powerful with his gauntlet. So then in this whole move, so by the end, he's like in a tank top with a gauntlet on, right? Mm-hmm. I think he was wearing a Speedo at one point. Or maybe that was a deleted <laughs> scene. Um, because he's just so ballsy with just this gauntlet. And then, so in Endgame, he's, you know, when they chop off his head at the beginning, he's like basically in a unitard. And then... Um, when we revisit him later on in the film, he's decked out in armor because he doesn't have any gauntlet. So it was almost like, did they take all the armor off of it? But now it makes sense in Infinity Wars. And that's what I liked a lot about Endgame was it It really, like... I, now, I haven't seen it twice. So I only saw it once. Mm-hmm. But I'm super excited to watch Infinity War and Endgame back-to-back. Yes. One five-hour day. Hopefully my kid will just sleeping and just sleep for you know eight hours i don't know however long it'd be 
But, um, you know, just to sit there and watch them back to back and really see how they influenced one another and, 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 and really get a good picture of that whole arc that they painted. Um, you know, and, and Thanos arc specifically. And so, yeah, I just thought like his fighting style at the end, he had this big weapon and, and just, uh, they, you cannot argue that Marvel has a villain problem after watching Thanos in the last two movies because they really brought him to an end. We could talk about this all day. Yeah. I know we could. We're like almost, we're, we're knocking on an hour and a half right now. Well, Endgame was three not. hours. So I, I know, like I know. Should the podcast be longer or shorter, though, than Endgame? Um, before we wrap this up, is there any movies that you are excited for coming out within the next few months or just throughout this year? Is there anything you're itching to see? Um, you know, I would, yeah, for sure. I, I definitely would say that... Um, Sonic. <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog is number one. I don't know what they're thinking. I think uh, it's hilarious. Did you hear? I think they're going to redo that animation after the fan outcry. I did. I, you know, I did read that. Um, which, first off, really, that's the issue that yeah. everybody has is his animation, not the right. fact that, that they're there's a Sonic the Hedgehog movie. <laughs> um, come on, man. Like, ugh. yeah, I, I, you know, I don't even. I think we've already spent more time than I'm comfortable with on Sonic the Hedgehog. We can just move on. The last few <laughs> seconds that we've been to, like, I don't care. What I about Detective care. Pikachu? Were you a Pokemon fan growing up? Sure. Yeah, yeah. I collected the cards because they look cool. Um, they didn't make me look cool by any means. No one looked cool. Them. Yeah. But uh, sure, I'm interested. Am I going to rush to theaters to see it? No. Wait till um, on demand. W- definitely wait till on demand. Um, now, I've heard good things. I've heard okay things about it, but um, it's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's cool that they're making live action. Detective Pikachu being the live action story that they decided to take on. What about Tolkien, the one about that author of The Lord of the Rings? Did you hear about this one? Um, our author of The Lord of the Rings. The, the, was the Lord of the J- Rings? J.R.R. Uh, Tolkin. Are you? Are you? <laughs> You're no. good at this sometimes. No, I, you know, um, I'm like, I just said it. Why doesn't he know? Uh, greatest movie trilogy of all time. No, um, <laughs> no, no, not, I don't care. I don't, I don't, am I interested in Tolkien? No, I, I don't, I don't care. You think his stories are good? Tolkien. Let's not talk about this guy's life. I mean, I, you know, I'm, it's cool. Um, you know, like I think that they're making a movie about him and mm-hmm. if it's good, I'll probably check it out, but like, no, I'm not really that interested. What about John Wick Chapter 3? Shockingly, I am not as interested as as I should be. I feel like that's how I feel about it. I'm not as into or anticipating it as much as I probably should be mm-hmm. because it the first two were great. They were. They were great films. So like, But also, I've seen Keanu Reeves play an action star, I feel like, for my whole life. Um, since Matrix, and or no, since Speed, um, which was an awesome movie. I mm-hmm. love Speed, old school for sure. But um, yeah, I I'll watch it for sure. Rush to the theaters to see it? Probably not. Aladdin. Um, 
So my wife really wants to see it. Our yeah. baby's due June 3rd. So if it's up to her, we will not have the baby until June 3rd, and she will get to see Aladdin in theaters because she is psyched. I think Aladdin comes down to, are you? do you dig this new Disney live action phase that we're going through, right. or do you not? Are you like, oh, anarchy, I hate this, <laughs> Disney. Don't mess with, with the classics. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know. What do you think? Uh, my wife wants to see it, so I'll probably see it, and mm-hmm. I'm a little interested. What are your thoughts? Well, I didn't see Dumbo. I wasn't a huge fan of Dumbo to begin with. Right. Um, Aladdin, I liked Aladdin. Yeah. So I think I would be interested to see what they do with it. Yeah. Just for that alone. Lynchpin of our childhood. Right. Really? 90s kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the same weekend, we're going to have Godzilla, King of Monsters, Rocket Man, and Ma all coming out. Uh, I've seen the trailer for Ma and obviously Godzilla. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, Rocket Man with Elton, the Elton John. John one. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, no interest. No interest. No, I'm you sure know. it might be cool. It might be a cool movie. Are you an Elton John fan to begin with? Not really. Okay. Not really. So you don't think it's going to have the same kind of success with not just the audiences but also the critics and the Academy as Bohemian Rhapsody did just last year. Well, I can't speak for the Academy mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in regards to the success that's going to have there. Or even really box office. I mean, people might really show up for this thing um, if it's good. Mm-hmm. And the fact that my understanding is it's going to take a little abstract approach to the musical genre, I think is cool. Um, but again, am I, it's just like Tolkien for me. Like, am I that interested in the guy to watch a whole movie about his life? Um, you know, I wasn't with Queen and I did see Bohemian Rhapsody. Right. Um, and quite frankly, after watching it, I'm like, this should have just been called Freddie. You know, not Queen, but right, or, right. or Bohemian, Bohemian Rhapsody. Rhapsody. But, you know, so... Uh, but Godzilla, I am definitely interested in because I'm I'm super psyched to see them bring those classic... The, 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 the classic uh, three, monsters. Yeah, the other yeah. classic monsters to life. That, that'll be fun to watch. I'm going to bring up two more. Uh, in the near future, X Men: Dark Phoenix is boo. that boo? Is it going to be the same thing as Last Stand? I, I think that um, I don't care about X Men anymore until they come into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Because really? I don't think that you know, I think this is it. I think this is well. They got New Mutants later on, but I think this is it. It nothing I've seen has made me want to see this movie. Were you a fan of Days of Future Past about five I years ago? I love Days of Future Past. Was that the last good one they did? I think so. Because Apocalypse after that, was yeah. a turd. Uh, you know, and I say that with <laughs> with with understanding the, uh, well, somewhat understanding the difficulties of making a movie in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but, man, that Apocalypse sucked. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my, it wasn't for me. I shouldn't say it sucked. Yeah, it wasn't yeah, for yeah. me. There you go, Paul Thomas Anderson. We could go on forever with these. Of course, we've mentioned uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, and we're probably both going to be seeing that yeah. if we can. Far From Home. Yeah, Far From Home. Not, yeah, what a, it's the sequel to Homecoming. Yeah. I, that's, yeah. How I was, I, that's the problem. It's going to be the same it, movie like, with a It's new Homecoming 2. It's like, oh, God. Yeah. Um, the other one, though, that I thought was very interesting, and I'm so on the fence with this, is Men in Black International, because they're rebooting this franchise. Obviously, you know... It's something that they're expecting to be a pre-sold ticket, and that's why they're doing it. But you got Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson, I believe, yep. who were both in Ragnarok together. Reunion, they play off of each other very well. Yep. 
And I think it'd be interesting to see how they do outside of that in another type of film. Yeah, I mean, I think I think they'll do great. I think they'll do great. Also, though, who asked for a Men in Black reboot? That's yeah. That's the other side of the coin. You know, it, it it's kind of like sometimes in life you get awesome surprises. Like no one asked for a Marvel time travel movie, right? Uh, or a superhero time travel movie, but Avengers Endgame gave it to us, and boy, was it awesome! You know, in 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 that vein. Nobody asked, nor do they want a reboot of Men in Black. Um, Will Smith made that movie, or that series. I I really feel that. Tommy Lee Jones for sure played a part, but Will Smith really made that series. And to move on without him, I feel like this, this need, and we talked about earlier on, you know, this need to make franchises is like... I hope they're focusing on making internet men in black international a good movie mm-hmm. and not trying to bridge a whole new trilogy with now these two stars of Thor Ragnarok. Can these two stars carry a movie? We've seen it mm-hmm. and it's done well, but will they be able to do it in a different vein? Mm, right. Is it know. going to be a good movie like Ragnarok or is it going to be another Ghostbusters? <laughs> Cause Chris Hemsworth was also in Ghostbusters. Well, you know, bless his heart, he's trying really hard to break in this comedy thing, and uh, <laughs> and he's do, you know he's a great Thor. Um, outside of that, uh, some of the other comedy stuff I've seen him in, not really that big of fan. So, you know, I honestly I'm not gonna show up to see Men in Black. Uh, that that was kind of my initial. Um, impression of it was i don't care i don't care the one movie i am looking forward to that mm-hmm. we didn't mention is and i'm psyched for it is the lion king um, right that right i don't know what i think about it mm-hmm. but i know that i'm gonna see that movie and that movie looks like i don't know what it looks like because it's so crazy to see all those images in real life or, or you know cgi picture yeah uh you know trying to make it look like real life but i'm excited like i love that story um what i'm most excited for about it is the fact that it's james earl jones again in that role well and my but they couldn't get they couldn't get back uh they couldn't get back who's <laughs> iron uh what are you talking about? Jeremy Irons for Scar. Oh, right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. They got back Mufasa. Well, yes. And I think the the idea there is that Mufasa was such an iconic role. And that's the two roles everyone associates James Earl Jones with is Darth Vader and Mufasa. Yeah. And it's an iconic voice. Whereas you can't just make the same movie and have everyone back, even though, because it's all still voice work. Yeah. They, they do want to make it different. To in, to some extent, I would assume, and that's probably why. But I'm I'm getting the feeling that you were a huge fan of the original Scar. Well, I was, and 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 I, you know, the way he looks in this new one is is definitely a little jarring. Um, but also, uh, I get you know what I think the Mufasa thing obviously it's a it's a callback to the original, and if you were had to pick one character. That they use the same voice or as the callback, it had to have been Mufasa. Mm-hmm. So, so I get that. I get that. I can support it. Um, 
they technically could have just used all the same voice. Like that's one thing with Aladdin. Like I'm like, I said to my wife was, you know, I'm sure Will Smith will kill it. Um, I couldn't think of anybody better to play the genie if they're going to do live action. Obviously, Robin Williams is not here anymore. Right. But couldn't they have made a CGI creation just use all the lines from Robin Williams? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. We're, we're probably going to see that one day on YouTube. Oh, <laughs> we probably will. We probably will. So, yeah, I mean, filling in, uh, that that's the thing with live action. Are you on board to see re- new iterations of these Disney classics, or are you against it? And I'm all for it because it's not going to hurt the old one. No, the old one's still going to be there. Still going to be there. Still going to be great. You know, so, and and as far as I'm concerned, or as far as I understand, they are moving full steam ahead with these. I and mean, we got Little Mermaid coming. We've got right. Mulan coming. They're, oh, yeah, Mulan's, I'm excited They're even for talking that. about Lilo and Stitch making that live No action, way. Which I don't, I don't think I even saw the original. No? So, no. If no. they do Lilo and Stitch, you're opening up a whole new realm there. Well, yeah, and that that's, um, and you know what? So be it. I mean, I, I feel like... Uh, mm-hmm. Disney's not the one that you're going to see these breathtaking new unique visions from. Anyway. Right, right, right. They're going to play on nostalgia and what sells. Um, if you want that, go to Jordan Peele, right? He's going to make <laughs> the new unique things um, that, that you, you're you craving for originality. Disney is going to go with the tried and true route. And and you know what? I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. I've accepted it. Uh was it always like this, Kyle? Are there have there's always been this many movies to keep up with in time? Because I'm I'm just wondering, like let's say 10, 20 years ago, were the, were the studios in general making movies at, at this level this often, or has it decreased because of you know they bought up all these uh, the the big ones bought up the little ones and stuff like that? I don't I don't know. Like, uh, how unique is the time we're living in right now? Well, I think it's unique, uh, definitely. Well, it's streaming. I think we got to factor that in. And uh, Disney's coming out also with a new streaming service. And so uh, there's a uh, nice little neat organized home for all of these movies that are coming out in theaters to go to once they're done in the theater. And, And I think, like, that is what has changed. I think it will continue to evolve and um and we'll see some power player i mean it, it happens uh, we saw it happen with dvds we're now seeing it with streaming um and one day it'll be something different i'm sure but uh but i think for i definitely don't hope the movie experience is destroyed because going to the theater to watch a film is is one of the highlights of you know any year for me is oh what movies do I get to see in the theater with surround sound with you know giant picture with an audience mm-hmm. you know who was I with that day was I feeling great or was I feeling bad what did I do after the movie let out did I you know did I walk outside with my wife and it was nighttime and it was raining or you know all those little factors that once we start streaming all of our entertainment on a TV we lose all the minutia details that really make mo- going to the movies so iconic for us um it's dangerous talking to you <laughs> we can talk for hours we have been talking because we we had a hefty conversation before we were rolling um so i do want to get you back on again in the future if you have the time with the child i know your life is about to change and i can only imagine uh how that's going to be for you 
But there's there's a lot we're going to be looking at. A lot of these movies I hope we can get to see. And when Disney Plus does launch, I'm sure that'll be interesting to see how that changes in the landscape of streaming. Yeah. So I, I look forward to speaking to you more in the future. It is always a pleasure. Well, it's a the pleasure is all mine. And I thank you for, for letting me come on here and uh, clog up your eardrums with, uh, I don't know, right or wrong comments. <laughs> 